Welcome everybody to episode eight of Conversation with the Cancer. I am your cancer and today I have a special guest. And when I mean by special meaning as in special because I do not know this woman at all, but I am excited to get to know her, learn, see her thought process and just figure out if uh, maybe I bit off more I could chew or this is going to be something that was perfect for me. But uh, this person I know from Twitter, she is very, 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 very funny, but also she has very, not very, but she has very respectful ways of talking to people and she's not afraid to clap back. And that, in my opinion, makes great conversation. So I would like to introduce Kia. Kia, please say hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. That was also a grand introduction and mm. I hope I can live up to the hype. All right. All right. All right. So first and foremost, how are you doing? How am I doing? I'm tired, but I'm good. Like, um, so I have a pretty comfy job. We had a on-call period for like two weeks <laughs> um, after Christmas. So it was kind of like, mm, if we need you be available, but you don't have to show up. So that mm. was nice and refreshing. Only um, I work in politics. So the week we came back, white supremacists tried to take over the Capitol. So <laughs> making up for the work time. Right. Well, it's not like tried. They actually kind of did take right. over. It wasn't no trying. They got in there willingly and openly. Yeah. 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 So we are still in a pandemic, but the pandemic started, I guess, we could, well, it's, it's been more than a year, I think. Well, what, what, no, March is when they started shutting down. So All since right. the pandemic started, how has your life been going and changed and formed? It has been a roller coaster. I started out pretty happy to be home. I, I was working a different job then, wasn't loving my job. They went to working remotely, so I didn't have to see people every day. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> but I also had a lot of anxiety. My sister is an ER nurse here in oh, Atlanta. Wow. My dad is a doctor. Oh wow! Um, and my mom like runs a daycare, and my grandmother is my mom is my grandmother's full time caregiver. So I had all this stress and anxiety around like the, my whole family like dying, and it's just being me wow. and um, my kid here. So it's a whole lot of anxiety around that. I got better. I thought I had COVID for a long time. Still don't know whether I did or not, but I had some of the long hauler symptoms. So maybe and. Now I'm just at a point where I'm realizing a lot of the stuff that I was doing, I've had enough time and space just to be that I realized a lot of the stuff I was doing just isn't important to me anymore. So I'm mm. just sitting here like, do I really want to keep doing all of this consulting work? Or like, it's just things that have been causing me stress. I'm finding myself cutting that out of my life really quickly and just taking the time to be with people I care about when it's safe for us to and just enjoy life because if nothing else we learned this year life is short tell me and about fragile. it mm, mm, life is very short and uh yeah I thought so before they start shutting down everything I think December before 2020 I think I caught COVID but I thought it was the <laughs> flu because my sister got sick and then I got sick from her so you know I was just in bed taking, you know, regular medicine, blowing my nose, watching reruns of Martin, not thinking nothing about it. Two or three months later, it's like COVID shut down. I'm like, I think I might have had it already. Yeah. But, I, but I'll never know because I didn't 
go to the hospital because you know if you get the flu you just go get some theraflu you get under a blanket if you get the chills you take the blanket off so and you know i had asthma as a kid and it felt like that i thought it was like a sinus infection and mm-hmm. it had aggravated my asthma but weeks later it was just i was still feeling i would get lightheaded and stuff it was just mm. weird stuff that wasn't normal and my doctor was like yeah you probably had it you'll never get a test you'll live go home yeah I got tested one time and I remember those 72 hours I just kept looking at my email like man I need this to come back right now because I'm nervous like you think Uh you you think you feel good but if that test would have came back positive I probably would have fainted for a couple of seconds because I wasn't ready for that but I'm glad I was negative so so like most people Everyone's life is affected by the pandemic. Well, no, everyone, not most people. Everybody's life affected by the pandemic. Do you think the pandemic prevented you from doing things you would have been doing normally in 2020? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, so I have a 20-year-old son who has okay. been forced out of college dorms back into my house. So I couldn't even like do stuff in my home that I would have mm. normally done. Mm. <laughs> now I have a grown roommate, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah, like I wanted to travel and I wanted to um I wanted to have this big skating birthday party and like just I love festivals and live music. And I was really excited about doing uh, a lot of this political consulting work. And mm. I really couldn't do anything of that in the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, it really did. I, w- I would just like to say that if I have my, if I had my son or my daughter come back from college and I had all these things, <laughs> I would be like, so you're going to stay the whole time or just a little bit? Like, <laughs> But I completely understand because I have a 16-year-old and a five-year-old, so I can just imagine. So, but I miss going to concerts. Yes. I miss it badly. I miss that badly. Like I had went like to four the year before, so I knew I was going to try to double up in 2020. I had tickets to see Janet Jackson oh. in concert. And oh. like, I'm so sad. And then on Clubhouse, I was talking to someone who was on their team and they were like, yeah, she had like all these big plans to like new album tour to really come out as like the icon that she is and all of that is just pause and that made me even sadder because Janet is that's me I will go see Janet I would definitely go see and you have to pay whatever Janet wants because Janet is going to put on the show you're going to get music from three generations so it's not like you're just going to get a album Janet gonna put on a show she gonna speak real softly in the mic but then she gonna sing real loudly and you're gonna be like oh that's Janet oh shoot she might put you on stage who knows she still get down like that we never know but I would definitely pay to see Janet like I haven't seen nobody's biggest I think the biggest artist I saw is Miguel but he's no Janet but I would love to see him like I don't think I've ever met a Miguel song that I did not like I've seen, I've actually gone to a lot of concerts. So I think the biggest people I've seen are Jay and Beyonce. I will say Beyonce and her husband. And then um, (laughs) (laughs) back in the day when I was in like, I was a junior in high school, I believe. I saw um, uh, Bad Boy, No Way Out Tour with Mace and Puff Daddy. So yeah. (laughs) Oh, I know that was a hot concert. Yes. My first concert was actually MC Hammer. <laughs> Wait a minute. How old was you when Hammer was out doing the Hammer dance? I, 
It was the day before school when I was either in second or third grade. So I was like eight or nine. And yeah, my mom had us at the MC Hammer concert the day. <laughs> oh, wow. I could imagine yeah. like your excitement for the probably three or four songs you knew and was like, Ooh. oh, right. Cause no one knew a whole Hammer, Hammer, Hammer album. I don't know no right. one's ever known a whole Hammer <laughs> album, but he had hits. And, I, and from my understanding, he could perform his ass off. Like, when he got on stage, he can get busy. Yes. So I, I had imagine. the MC Hammer Barbie doll and everything. Yeah, I never, I never been to no concerts as a child. Just uh, church concerts, you know, gospel, probably something like that. Something I wasn't really into, but I went because uh -huh. my mother made me, but... <laughs> But you know that's that's life. So yes. speaking of that, yeah. like you said, you was about eight or nine years old. So let me dig a little deeper. So who is Kia? What motivates you? Like you said, you're in the politics. How did you get into politics? Like you said, your parents are doctors. Like and you're in the politics. Like where and you? I'm not asking you to tell your whole life, but where in your life did you start knowing what you wanted to do and become the person you are? I've always had this strong sense of like, I want to make things better than the way I found them. I feel like whenever I go into a space, I should make it better than what I found. Mm. Uh, and I've always been what I call a holy hell raiser. Like I will raise hell, but I have good purpose for it. When okay. I was like five, my grandmother would smoke and I would hide her cigarettes for her because I didn't want her to get sick and die. And she would be like, frantically looking around the house for her cigarettes and I just I wouldn't care that she was upset because I was doing good work <laughs> so, that has kind of been my inner motivation like I will agitate people but I I do it for good it's good work so I think that's how I kind of landed in politics I do digital um digital media digital communications for a political organization so um and that just came naturally out of school I went to school thinking I was going to do public relations and I fell into social media which turned into digital media and here I am digital director of this organization and um I love it you know mm. I love Twitter I love talking to people I love how it works together and I love really like pushing uh telling stories that change the way people think and um and pushes them to be more progressive and more accepting of other people and just like helps them to build strong communities wow wow that's great i mean like some people it takes them a long time to figure out what they want it sounds like you knew at an early age right away like once i start hiding these cigarettes i'm gonna start changing my life like i'm <laughs> i'm gonna start marching down the street while mlk boulevard let people know you know what it actually wasn't that easy but okay. i feel like over time pieces fell into place i had a lot of different experiences that just layered on and I feel like I'm just now coming full circle to all the pieces I was a magazine editor straight out of college and oh, wow. that's where I really learned to tell stories um and then I taught high school for a while so that really helped me learn how to deal with people I taught high school English yes wow. so that helped me like really learn how to teach people and um and also like work with kids who had different lived experience from me and mm -hmm. understand like um understand their perspectives and really understand how our systems were failing them Wow. Uh, after that, that's when I fell into social media. I was social media coordinator at Spelman College for a while. And after that, it just kind of rolled into the digital media. I mean, because your social media presence is heavy. 
Like, I think I got some followers. Like, I got like maybe 800, 900. But you, you up there, like, you need to, you need to just go ahead and just try to try to take it to another level. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But you know what? I thought about that a lot. And it's one of those things, it happened very organically. I was just, I talk and I actually live, probably live too much of my life out loud. Mm. But, um, but it just kind of happened organically. And I look at it a lot and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this now? I understand. I understand like, you know, when you feel you have a purpose and things like that and your mind state, you feel like, oh, there's more I could be doing or am I doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right. at this moment? Right. So I can completely understand that. So I myself got on social media because I was younger and everybody else was doing it. So as I grew and matured, I started looking at social media different. I'm like, I think I'm doing this wrong. I think I'm following the wrong people. I'm just having unnecessary conversations. And I feel like we're a lot of us should be having different conversations because we're we're old enough to where we like what we like and we see what we want to see. So I feel like when you're on Twitter, you can get caught in that rabbit hole of just nonsense and shenanigans and bus it challenges and just yeah. be on there. So <laughs> I try to follow people that intrigue me, make me want to respond. And also, I mean, I, I do like the, as they say, the ratchet stuff that is on Twitter, the, yeah. the Twitter after dark. But it's, de it's definitely one of those things that I think people don't don't appreciate because Twitter can really change your life. I've seen it change mm -hmm. people's lives and I wanted to change, you know, change my life in, in a better way also. But yeah. I mean, so you said you're in the politics and, um, you know, you're in G.A. You were in Georgia, you know, yeah. the red state that just turned to the blue state. What yeah. is the mindset you think of the people in Georgia right now? If you think you can speak on that. That is a great question. I think a lot of it is tired and frustrated. I think mm. what people learned over the past four years is that it can get worse. I think for like before 2016, I think we went through this whole thing and like, it can't get any worse. It doesn't matter if I show up or not. It's not going to make a difference. And then we saw these last four years. I think COVID happening during election season mm -hmm. and um, the economic consequences of COVID as well and having a piss poor response. I think all of that really uh, motivated people to just say, like, I at least have to try. I, it might not work, but I'm going to show up and try. And I also think, like, for years, and I know I can speak at least the past 10 years, these people have been on the ground in Georgia registering voters. Uh, before nationally, people knew who Stacey Abrams was. She was registering voters with New Georgia Project and making sure that like these younger, blacker, browner communities were having access to the polls. Um, and it's not just Stacey, it's a lot of women. There's, um, and, and it's not just black women too. There's a Muslim organization and Asian, Asian American okay. organization. Like they've all been working together on the ground really quietly. And I honestly think this was the perfect storm for people to show up, people to be prepared and registered, to be fed up with everything that's going on and uh, show up and make a difference. And I going forward, it's going to be harder for us because they are already rolling out voter suppression um, laws and uh, policies to make it harder for us to show up um, in 2022 when we start electing governor and secretary of state, uh, a lot of our state offices. But um, 
I think like what we did was amazing. And I really hope that people stay invested, especially at the state level so that we can keep uh, changing and really turn that uh, Georgia legislator blue too, because they are hell right now. I, uh, when I, you know, like you said, from the outside, look at it and all they talk about Stacey Abrams changed this. And then, you know, you hear things and you're like, okay, I mean, she got a couple of voters and then the state just goes blue and you're like, this was serious down there. Like this was bigger than anyone outside of Georgia probably really realized, you know, and I know here in Ohio, we're going to be a red state forever in my mind, because outside of Cleveland, Akron and Columbus, I mean, I can't see those small counties, big farm towns turning blue. Like it just, you're not reaching them because they're believing their policy, their guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm just so happy that Georgia did it because now everyone could look and say, if we come together, we can make this happen. Like so much of the COVID, we can say some good things have came out of people sitting in the house and watching TV and coming to the realization of the power of working together and having the same kind of goal. Like I don't really want to go too far into my thought process, but I always said the reason why, one of the reasons why black people don't get what we want in life because we don't all want the same thing. Some people yes. want 40 acres in the move. Some people want stimulus check. Some people want to kill all the white people. You know, yep. some people want to storm the Capitol. Like if we all came together and worked on one goal and got that accomplished and go to the next one, man, the power we will have, but I don't and ever see that happen. That's the beautiful thing about what happened in Georgia because, um, because it was, you saw a lot of small communities coming together, working for the same thing. And it, like one thing that I feel does not get enough um, coverage is um, part of the bill was an exact match bill where, uh, or part of our voting stuff was exact match where your name had to match exactly on your ID and exactly on the voter registration uh, card, which sounds fine. But if you're an Asian American or an immigrant who has like not an American name and a white person is putting your name in the system, they make a typo, your names don't match, and now you can't vote. So when you have these Muslim and Asian American communities coming together to fight that, that increases the vote. And then you have these black people who are going into Clayton County and all of these like uh, centers full of young, poor black and brown folks who people don't really engage and they're engaging. And like all of this happens at the same time and oh, Georgia turns blue. It's, wow. it's collective power. It's, it's so crazy that, I mean, we know what the problem is and we still haven't been able to change it, mm-hmm. you know, universally. It's still, well, it's not what you think it is. And we're not like that. Like, how, it just, you get enraged. Like my whole life, I was one of the people because I'm my mother was a cop. So, you know, my mindset mm-hmm. is I don't hate cops. I believe there are mm-hmm. bad cops. You know, if my mother wasn't a cop, I'd probably have hatred also. But so my thing is, as I got older, I'm like, I'm kind of starting to go to the go to that side where people be like, maybe we need to solve, you know, violence or violence. Because sometimes you're like, we did protest peacefully. We didn't turn in proper paperwork. We're following orders. The police pull us over and say, put your hands on the wheel. We put our hands on the wheel and we still suffering and you still holding us back. You don't want us to vote. And you like, I don't know what else to do. And then this happens and you're like, OK, we got to keep going. It gets frustrating and it it, it does, it it can all feel empty at times. So I'm really happy that we had this moment to kind of give people a little bit of encouragement and a Mm re-up. Absolutely. I think, I don't know if I can be one. 
because this is my next question for you, but I think like activists need to talk to each other, not just talk to the activists in your state, but talk to activists from another state, ask them what they're doing, you know, how they're getting stuff done. Cause everybody, like I said, everybody has a different opinion. I know things are different in each state, but you can have some of the same uh, similarities in how you approach these situations to get them fixed. And I feel like that, but I mean, I don't know. I, I can never be an activist because I feel like, I like to keep some of my life to myself. And I feel like once you put your face out there, they, you could be grocery shopping at the store. They're like, hey, ain't you such and such? No, that's not me, fam. That's not me. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I'm just getting some grapes. You see, you see these grapes, $3.99 a pile, and that's me, you know. But so do you think like that's something in your future, being an activist in GA? Um, I that's hard for me to say. Okay. Um, I think I think. I think it's one of those things where I will do the work that I am able to do. And if it turns into something, then fine. That's where I was supposed to be. I just, I, instead of like setting that as a goal, I want to be where I'm supposed to be in that moment, doing the work that I'm supposed to be at the moment. I don't ever want to turn into one of those people. I don't want to say a name on your podcast. <laughs> I, I don't ever want to turn like I saw a tweet earlier today that said I wonder if so-and-so wakes up hoping that a black person got killed so that they can put it on their social media so that they could write about it. I don't ever want to be that person so um I am very invested in like working in community and helping people think through issues and really grow to be more progressive in their views and understanding of the world so mm -hmm. that we have better communities and whatever that looks like that's what it looks like yeah i'm definitely not a person that wakes up and if i see a white person die or anybody die i'd be like oh they deserve it but i will say if you storm the capitol and you catch a slug i mean that's on, i mean that's on you i mean you could have made a better choice in life you could have woke up and be like you know what? i'm not getting on this plane today now i'm not saying she deserved to die that's not what i'm saying but if you caught a slug from not listening through a, through a glass door, I mean, there's only so many options. Uh, I was talking to my friend about that, and I was like, y'all did not ever clown me in death. And he was like, Kia, if you die as a terrorist, I'm clowning your ass. <laughs> so there's always that. Yeah. And I mean, what is clear here is we are dealing with people who don't understand, who are very entitled and don't understand consequences of their actions. They're not used to their actions having real consequences. So they are blown away that people are shooting back at them for breaking a window, climbing through a window, trying to get to U.S. senators and uh, representatives. Uh, there was a guy from Georgia who was arrested made bail he committed suicide yesterday because yeah it's like you, someone i saw another tweet and it was like white people cannot handle the chaos that they create and at all that is a lot of what we're seeing they have created this chaos and they're like whoa where did this come from consequences arrest i can't have my organic food in prison <laughs> like, <laughs> so um it's interesting. It's it's very interesting to watch this play out. I hope that we do a better job than post-Civil War people did with um, uh, with Reconstruction. And I really hope that we hold these people accountable, particularly the legislators. Like we do, a, we're doing a lot of talking about the people who were on the ground, right. but the legislators who facilitated and the people who funded this, those are the people who are the real problems. And I hope that the FBI investigation gets to them 
um, holds them accountable so that they, like we are hopefully seeing with Trump, like they lose their access to power and privilege, mm-hmm. privilege and aren't able to do this. Yeah, because some of them resigned from their Senate seats, right? If I'm if I'm correct, I don't think they have now. People are calling on them to resign, but they okay. have. Well, actually, it was some of the state legislators. So uh, I, it was a guy from Wisconsin. He had just been elected to the state legislator, got arrested, and he resigned. So we're seeing some of that. Right. I was the most shocking thing to me was there was a whole plane full of them. Like, did y'all just call an airline? And it was like, I'm putting all of these people on the same plane. Like that blew my mind. Like, wait a minute. This is more than planned out. Like this was y'all plan to overthrow the government. Like y'all really do some, (laughs) some, some bad shit. Like y'all all get on the same plane. They tried to uh, kidnap the, what's it? Is it the governor of um, Michigan that they tried to? Oh, I remember that. and everyone was like, oh, that's crazy. They really tried to kidnap her. And then we went right back to our day. So like these people have been actively mm-hmm. in the work for so long in the dark and just not getting the repercussions and consequences that they should have. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's interesting to see us at this moment. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. One thing I said come in this year, I need to start lowing knowing about local voting like mayors and stuff like that because i don't pay that any attention i just think like you vote for the president that's no no, i need to vote locally i need to pay more attention that's something i'm gonna be actively involved in because i feel like that's where you change things at is those those judges and those mayors and those city officials so that's something i'm definitely gonna pay attention to and i don't ever want to paint the democratic party as like a perfect party or where we should be going and all of this but what i will say is I started going to my county party meetings and it helped me being in those spaces. They're boring as hell. They're full of old people and it can be really frustrating, but being in those spaces helped me understand what was happening behind the scenes. And it also helped me learn how to talk to my friends and like my, um, the people in my sphere of influence about what was happening so that when it started making the news or stuff, I could say, okay, this is happening because of this set and the third. Another thing is like my um, state house uh, rep, get on their email list because they'll email you like what's going on at the state capitol. These are the bills that are up. These are what the Republicans saying. This is what we want to do. Mm. And, um, and just like being on people's newsletters and, I, and we're all tired of emails. Listen, in Georgia, we are fed up with text messages, <laughs> emails and political uh, uh, commercials. However, when you sign up for these email lists, you get the information before it makes the news. Right. So you have an understanding of how it's working and, and, uh, uh and it, ge- it just gives you context to understand like why you can't get up pothole fix in your neighborhood it, it it helps a lot just to be in the loop and know the conversations that are happening outside of the internet and the television yeah i remember when i got a text message and it was like do you like to send a dollar to donald trump's campaign I never pushed stop so fast on my phone in my life like how does man like i thought like for a minute i thought he personally was talking like how does man my number like why is he texting me like i don't subscribe to you but you know they got everybody's number they send out but i was heated about that like so but yeah i'm definitely gonna pay more attention and And see what i can do 
So that is the work I do. I plan like text messaging campaign and emails mm-hmm. campaigns for an organization. And it's really funny to see how Donald Trump has really tried to pull into black communities with those text messages and things just to not even to do anything for us, but just to strip away votes from Mm -hmm. the democratic party. So Mm -hmm. he can continue to cause chaos. I remember when he sent out that first stimulus and I had came on Twitter the day after, and I kept seeing so many people saying like, I don't even know other president give me $1,200. He got my vote. I'm like, are you serious? Like I can understand if he wasn't old enough, but that can't be your only reason for liking that guy. Like you crazy. So I stay in a black ass neighborhood. And when okay. I say black ass, Gucci man and my son went to the same elementary school. <laughs> in our state, if you go to the uh, voting precinct at the end of the thing, they have to put a receipt. It's like a receipt. And it tells you uh, how many people voted for, um, for each office. And in my black ass precinct, there was like 37 people who voted for Donald Trump in November. And, and this is in-person voting and it was like 30 or it may have been 27 people out of like 273 people total who went in person to vote on that day. And my mind is blown because that's like 10% of my community who voted in person voted for Donald Trump. I can't trust none of y'all now. <laughs> <laughs> What's your reasoning for it? How did you come to that conclusion? Like, he is not coming to see you. He don't care about you. Like, when you see him posing with these black leaders and church groups and black, I'm like, what do y'all think y'all gonna get when y'all leave that he didn't give you when you was there? He is using you. <laughs> and I must think they want that press. They want what comes with yeah. associating with him because you see a lot of black people go to that side and benefit from that. And you be like, man, it's you. I don't even want to call you Uncle Tom or Okun or nothing like that. Like, what do you really think you're gaining from this? Because the followers you get will leave you. A lot of people just won't access the power. And I, I think um, we True. say this a lot. Like, I feel like I, I'm fighting for freedom. I want liberation for people, for oppressed mm-hmm. groups. But a lot of people don't want, want that. A lot of people want access to more power and privilege for themselves or for people who look like them. And those are two different things. I actually saw a Facebook post I posted, I think in 2017, and it was like, rest in peace, Steve Harvey, because Steve Harvey had a meeting with Donald Trump like in 2017. We were all disappointed in him for that. And his reasoning was, was it was... His reason kind of makes sense, but at the same time, Obama said you supposed to build a bridge. Like, no, that's not what he meant. That's not but, he meant and, like and that's that's a, you like you trust Donald Trump to build a bridge. Like right. you really what's happening. So yeah, a lot of people want to a lot of people want to say that they were in the room with the president, that they right. were in the room with this powerful person, and that's why they do that. But that is like really dangerous, especially with someone like Trump who has no integrity, who is not invested in your community, and who is really just using you for a photo op to say they have a black friend. I say he don't even look at you and shake your hand, he shake your hand like this. Right. So, so Steve Harvey and Slick, he's like, hey Donald, can you just wear one of my suits? That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to get one of them ugly ass suits on Donald Trump. That's all he was trying to do. He ain't fooling me. He ain't fooling hey, me. Wear a couple of pictures in Donald Trump in oversized suits. So that may have worked. <laughs> I would be interested in knowing how that conversation went. Hey, what Pusha T said? Uh, something about my dope don't fit in Steve Harvey suits or something like that. <laughs> Steve Harvey's like, what I do to Pusha T? You know what you did, brother. <laughs> you know what you did. I love it. <laughs> so the point, let's, let's switch it up. So the point of my podcast is called Conversation with the Cancer. So let me give you a quick background since we all know each other. So 
I am a man who have dated and perused with women a lot of my life. I'm 36 now. And okay. as I got older, I started paying attention to what women said to me, you know, on the way out. Let's just say it like that. And a lot of them used to always say to me, like, you such a cancer. And I'm just thinking, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, but I knew I'm a cancer, but I never paid attention to the horoscope. I just know it was a crab sign or the, the fake looking 69 sign. Yes. <laughs> so I started paying attention. And I started reading a little bit. I'm like, from the stuff I read, I'm kind of like this. So I was like, I need to just start asking people outwardly. So every time I get a guest on here, I like to ask them, have they had any um contact with a cancer man or woman and you said you have a one son right i do okay so i'm i'm not gonna assume that his father's a cancer but have you had any contact with any type of cancer in your life i have and before i answer the question that's coming i would love to know like what are these traits of a cancer that are popping up in your conversation. Okay, so one thing I can honestly say is 1000% true about me and related to the scientists. They say we're, we we love hard. Like, I, that's me 1000%. Like, I have a lot of friends I'm still friends with from the sixth grade. Like, mm -hmm. I can call them today if I wanted to and talk to them. I'm, I'm very loyal and I care about making sure the people that's around me is happy and all our energy is high. Even if your energy's down, I'm bringing happy energy and positive energy. So that is 1000% true. And then some things say, uh, we were, we're emotional. We're hard on our sleeve. And I don't know about that. I'm a thug. I don't wear my heart on my sleeve. No, I am more emotional now though. I can admit because I have a therapist, so I've embraced my emotions and I'm allowing myself to just whatever emotion comes, comes out of me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I could tell you, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. So you, when I used to work at PNC, older women used to come hit on me by telling me they like my eyebrows and that's to upset me. But I was like, what? You just can't come hit on me and be like, you got nice eyebrows, you arch. You can't ask a man if he's arching his eyebrows. Why would you say that? Like, I'm not gonna respond friendly to you. Like, oh no, nah, these, these natural, that's not something a man says. I'm like, what? So. Later on in life, I started hearing that again from women. And I know this, I know I became emotional. I said, but like, no, these are my regular eyebrows. I do not arch or I do not get them threaded, but this is how I keep, sometimes I brush them and then I shave in the middle. Like, that's how I know I'm emotional now because I'm explaining <laughs> to you shit that doesn't matter in life. You just shooting your shot, but I'm being unnecessary. I'm supposed to just take the shot and just go with it. So that's how I know I'm emotional now, but. Okay, okay. So your question was, <laughs> have you had any type of relationships or some type of back and forth with a cancer man or woman? Yeah. So I, um, I dated one at one point in time. Okay. Okay. Um, it was dated is an interesting word for it to explain <laughs> what he was doing. Um, it was for about two years. So we were in a relationship where long-term was never on the table. Gotcha. So it was, it was us being good friends and having sex. Okay. Um, and it was, it was all good until he accidentally started running his penis across my brunch table. Oh. And that was like, that was the deal breaker. Mm. And, um. And it, it, what was really interesting about it is in that moment, like you really get to see who people are when things are falling apart. So it was interesting because this is someone where feelings were not on the table at all during this two year period. 
but all of a sudden it was sharing like how they felt and stuff like that but um I will say this that ended in like when did that that ended in 2016 Mm -hmm. and he is blocked from my phone. <laughs> he is blocked from my Twitter. But to this day, that nigga is perfect attendance in every Instagram story I post. Wow. Like, that nigga is still watching every story to this day. So, wow. Yeah, that is my cancer story. <laughs> so, my previous guest before you, who was on episode seven, she said her and interaction with cancer was the best sex she she ever had she said it was powerful it was great she loved it she said he he was really into it but she said he was bad for it like when it went bad she was through with him she said she would never mess with him again and she would be open to dating another cancer but i'm this is the theme i've heard this beyond you two but i didn't want my 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 conversation to be like was it great sex with a cancer because that may not be everyone's experience so but two for two yeah, I mean, it was actually, I will say this, I will, he was super emotionally guarded for mm. reason, mm. and, um, but once the guard came down, it made everything better. Okay. Um, and yeah, when, uh, cause I feel like for a while he was just like super guarded and didn't want to give too much, but, um, but outside of that, yeah, once, once the guard down and he just was amazing. Yeah, hmm. probably. Yeah. I'll say, I'll say top five. Top five. Okay. Shout out for the Kansas. We like being in the top five. Top three, maybe. Top three. But I've never go. I would never go back there again. Never. Oh, no cancer got another chance? Um, so I will say this. I can do cancer emotional. I can't do cancer emotional, but I don't want, but I have, I have, um, I, I am so into like the toxic masculinity thing that mm. I have all these guards up. Like if you're going to be emotional, be emotional. Right. I, I, I know how to navigate that. Hell, I'm, I'm a little dramatic sometimes. I can be emotional. <laughs> right. Together. But to be emotional and pretend like you're not emotional, authenticity is one of my values. So at that point, you're not being authentic. And I just, I don't have the energy to try to navigate that again. And I, that was a large part of his problem. I got you. I tell women all the time when I talk to a new woman, I'm looking for someone's honest, honest and genuine spend time. Everything else I could take care of. Like, I'm really simple. Like, I don't have time for anything else. But so you said something funny that I'm going to talk about. You said you had brunch and penis. So do you still talk to those brunch and penis guests? Like, so that was just it for uh, No, it was, it was really interesting. And it was... <sighs> I will say this on uh, my ex-friend's part. It was probably, they didn't know because no one, like we did this for two years and no oh, one really knew that okay, it was okay, happening. Okay. That nigga knew though. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but um, these were also relatively new friends. I mean, he, oh, had okay. to know. he had to know because he saw us talking on like, he saw us talking on Twitter and stuff. And like, we even posted pictures together. 
he did not know. He played like I didn't know and I would never do that to you. And da, 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 da. you full of shit, nigga. Right, and right. I would have respect I would have respected you more if you just owned the shit because you didn't owe me any mm-hmm. fidelity. Let's just mm-hmm. be clear. Like that's not what you owe me. But now you're lying to me and that's a deal breaker. But it was it it just became such a messy uh, person. Right. And one, another thing that trust is really important to me. And at that point, I couldn't trust anyone. So I was just like, block, block, block. I feel you. Once that once that trust is gone, you know I'm that? through. Yeah, I can't do nothing. Yeah, it, it's really nothing. hard to rebuild trust. So um, I I have learned from that situation. I will say, like, I really have to evaluate. Do I care enough about you? to keep you in my life and go through the emotional labor it takes to rebuild trust. And if I don't, it's just like snip, snip, move on to the next. Right. Hey, like the song say, ain't nothing to cut a bitch off. So, hey, get them out of here. So, wait a minute. I I got another question then. Is Kia single? Are you talking like in like, I'm looking? Is that what I hear? Is I mean... It's we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Dating is hard. Very. Um, but it is really, really hard. I would be doing and I, so I say this, but then there's like an asterisk. I, I feel like I would be doing a lot of dating right now if we weren't in a pandemic. Mm. But I also feel like people are just antsy because they haven't been able to go out and date. Mm. So everyone just wants to date right now. So it may not even be that energy if life was normal. But um, yeah, um, Kia is single and Kia is, um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Shout out to the cancers and and, uh, and ATL. Hopefully they they fly your way. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I understand. Look, it's it's very difficult for me also to date. So I'm just like, and then I'm really worried about pandemic. Like I don't want no COVID coochie or nothing like that. So I'm just really nervous about it. But at the same time, you want to have some type of communication with someone so you can feel like if I do want to get out or if I do want to go see something, I can call someone to go with. Because a lot of my a lot of my homies, all of them are married. Uh, my best friend, she got a boyfriend. My other great friend, she's got a boyfriend. So I can't just randomly call them and ask them to go out with me. So I got to have someone I could talk to. So it's it's yeah. um, pandemic dating is it, it's it, worse than speed dating. It is. Mm. It is. It's, it's, it's rough out here. We'll see. Um, right. We'll see what happens when outside opens up. Right, right. You know what I always heard about ATL, though? They say for every man, there's four women. Is that true? Absolutely. It's probably uh, higher than four. It is like dating for women in Atlanta is just difficult in general. So, okay, let's let's talk about that because I want to ask you some stereotypes of things I've just heard all the way up here in Ohio. So from my (laughs) understanding, they say the gay community with males is big in Atlanta. So it prevents a lot of dating for women because of that. Is that true? I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to have uh, the conversation as if like we're blaming people for right, being right, gay. right. Okay, okay. Um, I will say, I will say, Atlanta has a prominent gay community. Okay. Um, but as someone who's been in Atlanta since, um, I've been in Atlanta since I was a, I came here to go to college. I went to Spelman College, so I've been here since 2000 to go to college. And even in the AUC, like back when I was in the AUC, it was four undergraduate institutions: Spelman, Morehouse. 
Clark Atlanta and uh, Morris Brown was actually active on campus. Okay. Even the AUC, like this small consortium, there were more women than men there. Like even at Clark Atlanta, it's like three-fourths women, one-fourth men. So I, it's, I feel like that is just kind of our communities in general. There are way more single women than they are men. And um, what does that look like when you're talking about relationships? And I've had, I've like wrestled with that internally. Like, what does that mean for us as, as a community when there are all these single women and just like this handful of single men? Wow. And, and then when you add the fact that like black women are the most educated population in general, you know, like we have Mm. more education, Uh, black women are in 80% of households, black women are the uh, breadwinners. They are either the sole providers or they're making the most money. So it's, it's a lot to weigh when it comes to these things, when you're thinking dating and, um, and relationships. So um, I have kind of, I'm almost 40 years old, like I'll be 40 the end of this year. And it's like, I, I may not ever find a long-term partner. So wow. like, what that, what does that look like for my life? Mm. And just really making peace with that. And I think a lot of people, specifically people my age, have had to do, or I don't even want to say my age, because I feel like my age is a little different, but older than me. Like, um, ha- has like we've had to sit with that and kind of unpack that and um because for I feel like for the generation before me marriage was a natural next step and that's not necessarily true for my generation and those who are coming behind me so what does life look like when marriage is not naturally the next step in life progression I can, oh, I can attest to that because I feel like when I was growing up, that was the thing. You get married and you stay with that person forever. There's no such thing as divorce. You can sleep mm-hmm. in separate rooms. You work it out. You go to church, you pray, you sweep it under the rug. You eat things, yeah. you eat turkey day dinner together. Like that's what it was. And that's what I, and then as I got older, people getting divorced left and right, cheating on their spouse and going, I'm like, man, what I remember, but that's how life evolves. Like life evolves like that. So I think. I don't think I'm destined to be single, nothing crazy like that. But I do know it's it's extremely detrimental to think that you could possibly be single the rest of your life because then you start finding some type of a peace about it. And I don't want to be peace, peaceful about being single. I want to be peaceful about being happy and doing what I want with my life. But at the same time, I do want to be with someone. But to what you said about the strong black women and things like that and primary bread when I know I'm I'm not afraid of no one making more money because I'm a grind. If she make more money, we just spend her money when we go furniture shopping. But you know. So this is this is a big thought. This is one of the keyest big thoughts. <laughs> I, and, um, I feel like what has happened that it's also complicating like people's ability to find partners when we were talking about us and younger is women have women have progressed in their understanding of like gender roles and what they want. Like uh, feminism, womanism, and all of this has helped us to like unlearn gender roles and to really think of ourselves as like 
equals to men and um and really have conversations around power and privilege when it comes to gender. And while we have been over here having these conversations and liberating ourselves from what really held back uh, generations before us and like why we talk to older people and they were like, yeah, I'm not happy, but I'm still married. Like we've unlearned a lot of that. Men aren't having those same conversations. So you you find men who are still stuck in these ideas of gender roles, the ideas of patriarchy, the ideas of I don't care that you make more money than me, but you still have to submit to me. And like these ideas of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. So you have people who have like two different um, two different sets of values, two different understandings of um culture and social and like we've been socialized men and women have been socialized so differently and now you just expect them to come together as partners and it's like how does that even work if women are progressing in how they think about culture society and gender and partnership and men aren't how are you even a reliable partner for me like I don't even I don't even want you because we are on two different levels at this point. Right. I I one thing I can say about my my friends, like we talk about everything. Like I try to have a conversation with them about soulmates, but they kind of just shun me off. But other than that, we we would talk about anything. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure if we was in person, we would talk about soulmates because I was trying to learn about soulmates. I'm gonna ask you about that in a minute. But here's my thing. So I gotta tell you this about yeah, me because you don't, so you don't know the but I tell people all the time, I don't know what love was growing up because I didn't see it. My mother worked her ass off to take care of her four kids, but I never seen a man love my mother. My mother dated, sure. But even if my mother dated, she didn't put that in front of our eyes. We were like this today. But you know what I'm saying? So I never seen a man love my mother. I never saw my father love my stepmother, but they lived together. My grandparents married my whole life, but my grandfather lived in New York and my grandmother lived in Cleveland. So when we went to New York, they slept in the bed together. When he came here, they slept in the bed again. And you wouldn't know that they lived in completely different states. But that's how love and marriage worked back then for some people. Like, we're never getting divorced, but I don't need yeah. to see you every day. And I always yeah. just thought like, okay, that's whatever. But I never knew that was love or anything. I just thought that was my family. I knew that was my family. You know what I'm saying? So as I got older and I started, you know, I fell in love. I got my heart broken. I started thinking like, this is okay. Like, this is what naturally what I'm supposed to go through when I'm talking to my friends about it. I'm talking to women about it. And I'm like, oh, I should have been having these type of conversations. I should have been growing in this space in this area. But because I thought I was supposed to run through so many women, not love a woman, lie to women, steal from women, sleep with multiple women, use you for what I want. Like, that was my mindset. So, you know, when you have that mindset and you try to settle down, you don't even know how to settle down. Like, I didn't... I didn't know how to be in a relationship. I knew how to make you like me. I know how to make you laugh. I knew how to have, have, I guess what I thought I was having great sex, but even still like (laughs) that's only lasts for so long because a woman's going to want more. She's going to desire more. And if you're not unable to give it to her, she's going to go elsewhere quick. And you know, women, y'all get over us different. Y'all be over us mentally and physically just be around us every day. Like y'all got to stop doing that. If y'all don't like us on Monday, tell us Monday. Don't be having Friday come around. You're like, I'm not trying to go out with you. What do you mean? We're not going to go upstairs or nothing? Like, y'all got to stop doing I that. mean, I will say for me, when shit starts getting bad, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to okay. tell you about three times. This ain't working for me. Mm-hmm. I need more of this. 
I don't like that you do this or don't do this. And at that third, fourth time, you heard me. You just don't want to change. Mm. So now I'm just sitting here like, I'm waiting on my, at this point, I'm waiting on myself to get over you. So that I can, so that when I leave, leave, I'm done, done. Because one thing I have learned, young Kia used to do this, break up and make up, break up and make up and go back. Old Kia doesn't do that at all. No, Mm -hmm. I don't have, I don't have the energy to that. I break up with you like two, maybe three times. I tell you the first (laughs) time, I may do it a second time and, you know, we kind of fall back in. But after that, like, you just gonna wake up one day and I'm gone. And Ooh. once I'm gone, I'm gone forever. Mm, that's not like that 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 Jay Z lyric, you know. You, yeah. you can turn a bad girl good, but once a good girl gone bad, she gone forever, huh? Like, yeah, I, I I will sit and watch you until I am like emotionally just done, done. But once I'm emotionally done, like once I stop talking, it's dangerous. Once mm, I'm emotionally it is. done, yeah, yeah, because I'm gonna. I, I'm a communicator. I'm going to ask for what, what I want. I'm going to tell you like how you hurt me. Why we going to talk this through probably to the point where it's going to get on your nerves. Right. But once I'm done, I ain't saying nothing. And you'd be like, Oh, she cool. She don't even care. You right. I don't care because I am, I am cutting <laughs> these emotional ties. And in a week, two, maybe a month, you won't even see or hear from me again. Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll just stop talking to y'all together. Like I'll just be, I'll be done with you because once, like you said, once you finish, you finish. Like I'm not gonna be debating and arguing with you. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. Like yeah. I understand. I have to give you, you know, a reason so you can find your peace within that reason so you can move on. But even still, I'm not gonna get that to you right away because once I'm done, I gotta go, and then I could come back and have that when I'm ready to just let you mm. say what you need to say because I don't care anymore. So, mm. but so let me ask you a question about soulmate. So um someone had brought the subject to me that you can have multiple soulmates and that just blew my mind because i grew up in a church and i always believed my whole life god put one person on the earth for you and there's only one soulmate and then i was talking to my sister about it she's like well your soulmate you don't necessarily marry it could be a sibling it could be a friend so that really shook me too i'm like what i never thought about it so then i went down this little rabbit hole trying to find out what is a soulmate how do you know someone is your soulmate have you ever had a soulmate do you necessarily recognize a soulmate can you have multiple soulmates because in my mind you can fall in love as many times you think you're in love but you only have one soulmate so i came to a conclusion that you possibly can have multiple soulmates and i just i'm i'm still learning about it but i like hearing people's idea of it so the question for you is do you think it's possible to have multiple soulmates and have you found or had your soulmate already that is a great question And what I would advise people to do is really sit with, before they even answer that question, like, what is your soulmate? Is your soulmate a person who is in your life forever and ever? Mm -hmm. Um, That takes me back to an Andre 3000 lyrics when he was like, uh, and I think it's from the uh, Love Below album. It may be from Hey Y'all, but he's like, nothing lasts forever. So why would we think love does? And Mm. I remember when I heard that, I really said with that, I actually heard that at a time when I, when I was in the, 
it is time for me to get married. I am with this person. I am going to love them and they are going to marry me and I'm going to hit this next step. And I heard that lyric in that moment and I just really had to sit with it. And I was like, even if you marry like the love of your life, someone's going to die at some point. <laughs> and, and you're probably not going to die at the same time. So Impossible. Case, <laughs> right. So best case scenario, nothing lasts forever. And and th- that lyric just really changed my mind when it came to relationships and made me more content with focusing on the now and the present and like what is making me happy and feel good in this moment and if we make it to the next moment then great but Mm -hmm. I am not I'm not reaching for forever because forever is just an unrealistic expectation in general so uh when I think of soulmates I think of people who make my soul feel good and that may not be forever, but we are matches. A, a guy who I dated once said, like, you fit my puzzle. Mm. And, and like, and that was it. Like, we fit each other puzzles. It just, it felt good being together. So, and that's just not with romantic relationships. Like, I okay. have friends who fit my puzzle. So, like, and fulfill my soul. So I don't think that there's one soulmate. I think I think we really should be. I think what's important in relationships is to know who you are, first of all, Amen. and what you need to feel safe, secure, and fulfilled. And um, and that person is the mate for your soul. And like how long that lasts? I, and I think. And I don't want to like trivialize, trivialize the idea of soulmates. So people are thinking everyone they're with is their soulmate. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of us don't know what we want or need. So it's easy. We don't know what we want or need to feel like safe, secure, happy, and fulfilled. So it's easy to say, oh, this person made me happy today. So they're my soulmate. But it's deeper than that. It's 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 an authenticity. It's a... Uh, it's like you're not performing with a soulmate. You just are, and they accept who you are. And I that can be more than one person because people die, people grow apart, people um people change their mind. And those are hard things to accept in relationships. Yep. But but that's the reality of people. And we are all we're all broken people navigating the world and trying to, we're doing the best we can at best. We're doing the best we can to be good people, partners, and friends to other people. We we, we have to. And I want to touch on something you said about how like love is not forever because I'm now with the mindset that love is not forever, but your memories are. And yeah. I always... And I always tell people, like, when I'm around my friends, like, man, we need to take more pictures. We need to do more stuff like this. Like, I'm the only one that's not married, don't have a girl. So when they're together, they always invite me out. They don't exclude me. But sometimes I don't go just out. I'm like, man, I ain't trying to go. But I'm going to start going all the time now. I don't drink wine, but I'm going to pretend. Let me get some sparkling water or some shit like that. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So they go to a lot of wineries. Hey, you don't. You don't wait. You don't drink at all or you don't drink wine? I don't drink wine because I haven't found one that works for me. It, uh I usually get a headache or make my stomach hurt. So I'm not going to keep trying wine. Like I had wine at my friend's house, like maybe 
last month and it didn't make my stomach hurt. So I'm like, maybe I'll find one, but I forgot the name of it. So I didn't really find one because I would have remembered it, you know, but I just, I was asking because I just finished drinking bourbon. <laughs> oh, I ain't mad at that. I ain't mad at that. Like my, my, my drink of choice of course is gray goose and cranberry, but I'm, ah. I'm getting more into crown apple and do like not together, but I like those two as others if I can't have that. But so for me, I think I've been telling her this for past week or two. Now I think my best friend uh, is my soulmate because we used to date and we've known each other since high school, but what we've went through growing up together. Like, I just appreciate her. Just like just the other day she texted me. She was like, so I know the answer to this, but me and my sister made all these cupcakes. These, Cause my thing is chocolate on chocolate. She's like, we made some triple fudge cupcakes and we got some buttercream icing, but I know you're not eating chocolate right now. Cause I'm supposed to be one week, off, two weeks off and one week on Cause the way I work out. And I was and like, she knew that I didn't want any, but she had to ask me because she knows that would make me feel good. And I'm driving to work, reading, trying to text and drive. I'm about to hit the semi and I'm like, shit, I'm just going to come get some. Like, I'm going to come get some because, because you know me, you know, that would make me feel good. And that's like, when I thought about it, I started thinking like you said, the puzzle piece, like we fit, we don't work as a boyfriend or girlfriend, but as friends, I do anything for her, just like vice versa. And that's how it's supposed to be. Like, she makes me feel good. I love hearing from her. I'm a writer and she's an editor. So when I write stuff, guess who adds it for me? She does. And she keeps it real. Like, she be like, this sounds stupid. I'm like, but this is how it sounds. She's like, well, don't nobody care how you sign. They want to care how it reads. I'm like, God damn it. All right, I'll change this the to the, you know, dumb stuff like that. But yeah. so that's what I'm saying. But, like, we just work. That's it. It's who can you be your authentic self around yeah. and they you and love on you and help you be better that is a soulmate in mm -hmm. whatever form it comes in it's not always in romantic love as we wish it would be right like i think some people do marry their soulmates and so that's when i came into the thing like man i'm not gonna ask my friend like so what you gonna do when your wife died like that's idiotic you can't ask somebody that but you'd be like so when your soulmate ain't here i mean like what's happening play but that's something you deal with when you get to it that's not something you yeah. worry about now so I just something I just was curious to learn and I've learned about and I'm still gaining knowledge on and I'm just I'm enjoying that journey because I'll be reading some good things and uh, I can't wait to somebody tell me I'm they soulmate. Ooh, I'm gonna ask them so many Ooh. questions. I can't Isn't wait. That, doesn't that feel good? Yeah. Ooh, I can't hey. wait. I'm gonna ask them so many questions. I'm like, is it the way I cook? Is it the way I show you the That's Denzel right. teeth? I'm like, you know, I'm gonna just do all types of stuff like. I can't yeah. wait, but I haven't got Baby there yet. Was like, you fit my puzzle. I was like, yes. <laughs> That's crazy. But your answer was great. It was very, you broke it down in so many different ways so people can understand what you need to do to get to the point to realize it, you know. And realization is very important when you're trying to discover something instead of just thinking you know the answer because, you know, everybody think they know the answer. You know, oh, you know yeah. what I hate? When it comes to like soulmates and stuff like that, when people be like, um, for a million dollars, will you do this or would you stay with your soulmate? And I'll be thinking, they'd be like, 10 years in the future, would you do this or for a million dollars? Like, oh, here go one. A Zoom call with Jay-Z on a million dollars. And I can't believe how many people be like, I'll take the Zoom call with Jay-Z. And I'll be thinking like, you don't know what your future predicts. What's wrong with the money now? Jay-Z might not even like you. He may talk to you for five minutes. Like, you know what that is? That is the proximity to power. That and, and that is what so many of us desire. We want to be 
in proximity or have access to powerful people, prominent people, popular people. And um, that's sad to me. I said that to that person. I said, why do you, what's your factual? He's like, I just want to be his friend. What makes you think he's going to be your friend after 15 minutes? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, why, why do you, you have to my shirt too, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, I've seen celebrities in my life. Of course, I've never like actually sat and talked to one, but I was big in wrestling when I was little. And now when I went to Youngstown State, they was having a, a wrestling event and Ric Flair drove past me. And I started to run after the car and I stopped. I'm like, why the fuck am I running after this car? I'm pretty sure he can see my black ass chasing the car and he didn't stop. Like, what am I doing? Like, like people's mm-hmm. infatuation with someone of higher up is just going to bless you. Like, all right, I'm going to put you on the money. That's not how it works. What are you bringing to the table? What are you adding? Where's your value? You asking a bunch of questions is just you being curious like they were curious, but you're not coming to the table with $100,000. Remember Master P yeah. said he had to pay $20,000 to talk to Michael Jackson's lawyer. $20,000. <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh, I, I, I don't understand that. So one of the things I did in college is I did... Um, I did uh, record promotions, like street promotions for uh, Def Jam Records. And I remember at one point in time, we were in Daytona Beach, Florida for Black College Weekend. And the guy who was like national director of street promotions for Def Jam was talking to another dude on, um, like they were sitting in a hotel room talking. And me and my friends are sitting around looking and we we're like, that's fucking Joe Buttons. That's and we're like trying to figure out like is this Joe Button? Right. But like they are regular people. Like it was nothing special about that conversation. They were two folks. Like Pump It Up was really big at the time. Right. (laughs) He had a hot single, and they were just two dudes sitting around the hotel room having a conversation. It was so celebrities are regular people like us, and I wish we would. I realize that defund, yeah realize that and defund celebrities because they get way too much country right like <laughs> not having, and not having a lot to add to a lot of the conversations that we empower them to lead and if people will realize like outside you liking their movies or their music or their writing they probably boring as hell they probably yes. just like yo like you said your homegirl or your homie just like they probably be like what you doing oh, i'm not doing nothing me either like you know bullshit right. conversations like that but people fantasize like her for instance this Lori harvey and michael b jordan thing like people going crazy like oh she's running through y'all don't, y'all don't know her on the optics it looks like it but she can literally just be trying to get to know these dudes and it don't work out she move on but people just want to fantasize and think oh that's what i want to do in my life so go do it why are you so invested in these people who you don't know and who who because of their celebrity and uh economic privilege who don't live life like you at all like just like figure out what makes you happy and do that i never understood what people don't do that like these people are where they at because even if someone put it on, they chased that. They chased, they went hard for it. Like you yeah. always hear people say, I performed on the stage when it was five people in the audience. Now I'm selling out stadiums. Like you have to go through those things because you grind hard. And, yeah. you know, I work with an artist here on his music and he texted me the other day. He's like, hey man, when we going to the studio, I need you to find me studio. And I was like, I had to think to myself for a minute, like, 
is it my job to find you the studio? But at the same time, I've been helping him. So it is my job to help find him a studio. Uh-huh. But that's part of the grind for him is me helping him and pushing him and him pushing me. So I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I get him in the studio at least this weekend or next weekend. But like he doesn't he has that infatuation too with trying to chase a grand success yeah. and like oh i sound better than this person i want i'm already better but you're not out here doing these shows nobody's hearing your music i'm hearing it i'm one person like so yeah people have that infatuation and i wish they would stop like it's crazy one of the things that helped me so much in life and that i'm really still not good at but i really try to is to live in the moment because mm. when you're living in the moment you so often we're chasing what's next and we're chasing that Mm -hmm. next bigger thing and when you're doing that you never enjoy life because it's always something bigger and better ahead but when you just when you make peace with the moment where you are and you're enjoying what you're doing in that moment it starts to happen naturally and you look up one day and like those five people in the audience are a hundred people in the audience and you enjoy every moment of that process and you're able to enjoy as you grow to the next and um like i said if 2020 didn't teach us anything else it should have taught us that life is fragile and it can all be gone in a second so just like enjoy the moment you're in i couldn't agree more like 2020 taught me two things take care of yourself more self-preservation and and when you spend time with somebody enjoy it like yeah yeah uh, people are really struggling with the idea of not being able to do what they want like and it's up to all of us to get through this, but people really just don't want to do the right things. And, and it's just like, we're going to keep going through this, but you gotta, you gotta enjoy, you gotta cherish, you gotta appreciate the people around you. And you gotta realize that you might not wake up tomorrow. Somebody, you know, may not be there tomorrow. And COVID is really killing people. Like people really think it's a joke. No, it's really killing folks. People are like, why they not showing the body? Why they gotta show you the body? Like, I, I hate that we are people who it has, tragedy has to come to our doorstep before we believe it's tragic like your mama should not have to die before you realize that COVID is real and while you may be able to go to the club and bounce back you can't come in your mama's house and she do the same right I understand if you don't believe in science you don't believe in science but it's it's real and it's nothing you can do about it yeah so before i let you go i want to touch on something we talked about earlier about your twitter presence and and something like that i just want to know because when did you realize you had a big twitter presence? like when did you realize like the moment like people are really following me and responding to everything i tweet like when did you notice like man like okay maybe i'm likable like this on a grand scale that's funny because for a long time i remember when like when I got on Twitter summer of 2008, June, 2008 is when I got on Twitter and it was really like a big group chat. It was some of my closest friends and family, some of their friends, people I went to college with and we haven't hadn't really been having daily conversations. So it was really a big group chat. And um, I tweeted like that for a long time. And I looked up one day and I had like 10,000 followers Mm. and funny story i i was on the toilet tweeting about being on the toilet and people mm-hmm. start liking the tweet of me being <laughs> and i'm just like you know what this is weird and mm-hmm. life has now changed like this i have crossed a boundary <laughs> i've crossed a threshold now where 
I might can't just tweet my random daily thoughts to my closest friends and their friends because weird. That was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like when you like my tweet about me sitting on the toilet taking a morning dump like that's mm, this is different this is a different world yeah you, what do we do with this <laughs> it still shocks me the stuff that people say and people like and i'll be like that's what you enjoy but that don't mean you enjoy that means you're trying to get that purchase attention and i'm like this that's is a it. really thirsty community we have i mean <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I have slid in some DMs before and then get no response. I'm like, well, maybe I'm just not built for this. But at the same time, it's it's a weird thing because you want people to be open and express themselves and try to talk to people. But it'd be people in there that'd be ruining it for the rest of us. Like, y'all can't be doing the stuff y'all doing. So, <laughs> but who am I? I'm just another, another Twitter user, another billion Twitter user that he has. But you've been on there a long time. 2000, I think I came 2012, maybe. So you was yeah. on there a whole three awesome. years before I knew about it. Oh, gee, yeah. <laughs> wow, you grandfathered in, huh? Yes. <laughs> Tell them they get, need to get your blue check if you ain't got one already. Tell them you need your hey. blue check. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Like, I think you're Thanks. a fascinating individual, and I got to get I got to know you a little bit more. And I'm gonna try to send some cancer energy your way so you can just be blessed with the cancerous, you know. Um Atlanta is one of the places that I want to come into because I'm gonna travel this year. I'm gonna put my mask on and I'm gonna travel. And I, I've never been to Atlanta. I've been to Savannah, but I've never been to Atlanta. It's crazy oh, that yeah. a person would go to Savannah and not go to Atlanta. But Savannah is interesting. Good it was very you. nice. It was very nice. Yeah. I did that dumb bus tour where they showed me where Forrest Gump was at. I'm like, oh, I, oh yeah. I was, <laughs> but it was very beautiful. Houses was nice and rich and things like that. But when I do come, I'm gonna go hit you up so you can tell me some places to go eat because I'm gonna make sure that's my cheat day whenever I get there. One thing, and it's kind of sad because a lot of my favorite spots have closed down thanks to COVID, but mm. one thing me and my people do well in Atlanta is eat and drink. So please mm. pick me up. And, yes. Yeah. yes, 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 yes. That, that's beautiful. Yeah, good and we going to drink good. <laughs> that's all good to me because, you know, I always, I've always heard about your nightlife and your atmosphere, and I'm like, I got to get down there. I got to get down there. I can't, I can no longer not see Lenox Mall and all of that stuff, you know. <laughs> You know, I ain't gonna be down there stunt with no fake Gucci on nothing, but I'm gonna show up. I still hope LRG yeah. still stands out down there, but you know, who knows? But but I'm yeah. very very appreciative for you. If there's anything I can plug for you, I would definitely plug when I post this. And uh I don't know, just I just appreciate it, man. Cause I was really nervous about asking. I'm like, I'm a stranger. She probably get DMs all the time. She probably think I'm shooting my shot. I, I had typed a couple of messages before. I was like, no, nah, this sound too too much. I was like, no, nah, let me erase this. Then I typed another. <laughs> I'm like, this sound too plain. I was just gonna say hi. I'm like, that sound too lame. So I had to, I had to, I did a couple of retypes before I sent the initial one. But so I just, I really I, appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. This yes. has been fun, and yeah, thank you. Oh, no problem. No problem. So before I get out here, I, I know you don't know this, so you just got to hear me say it. Before I always end my podcast, I like to say, you know, stay safe, stay masked up and eat more chicken. Eat more Ooh. chicken. I tell everybody, eat more chicken. It's healthy for you. Don't have to eat fried. You know, don't. If you do eat a fry, eat it hard. But, you know, pause. But <laughs> <laughs> I thank you very much. And I'm pretty sure we will be communicating soon. Yes. Thank you. Oh, have a no, good you too. Bye. Right.